0: That's heritageradionetwork.org/15 to donate and enter to win today, and make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: This episode is brought to you by the Michigan Cherry Committee. Learn about the wonderfully tart Montmorency cherry at choosecherries.com.
2: Hey, hey, hey! Welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's Tuesday, March seventeenth. For some of you, that's St. Patrick's Day. For the rest of us, it's a very uh, different time here in New York City and the rest of the country. Um, we're doing a, a remote show. The Heritage Radio Network studio is is currently closed. And this is a disclaimer that the sound quality may be different. We're all calling in on our laptops through a special program. So that'll be one, one change. But we're going to introduce our guests now. It's going to be slightly more formal because we're all talking uh, through our computers. So let's go around the room. Let's start with Sean. Each, Please introduce yourself.
3: Sure, Jimmy. It's uh, Sean McNulty. I'm the host and producer of the Selling Craft Beer News Podcast. Great. Cat? Kat?
4: Hi, this is Kat Wolinski. I am the associate editor at Vine Pair.
2: And Zach?
5: Hi, I'm Zach Mack. I'm the owner of ABC Beer Co in the East Village and a beer contributor at Thrillist.
2: You guys are so great. I'm so happy to have you guys on. Just about, you know, what's going on right now. I literally live on the same street as McSorley's, which is one of the older bars in New York City. And today, they're open for takeout only. And there's a sign that says cheeseburgers and liverwurst sandwiches. Um, huh. Things have changed r- really quickly, Sean, since we first started talking about the show. <laughs> um, what was your idea for the show originally? And, and tell us a little bit more about your podcast.
3: Sure. Uh, that show was originally just to get some great people in New York City beer from different perspectives. Uh, myself and Kat, certainly more of the journalism side from the news side of it and then some uh zach certainly more of uh, the proprietor uh, bar owner side of it um and then we had a couple of brewery ideas and just to mix it up and just get the, get the temperature on where we think new york city beer is at in 2020 was the general idea kind of as we you know in the first quarter of the year looking forward mm-hmm. uh and then all this happened so uh <laughs> so my podcast revolves around i basically take a summary of all the beer news of the week and put it into a what I call six minute ish podcast to uh, kind of condense it down for beer fans who, I mean, Kat and Zach and I kind of we're not we live on beer Twitter all day, but we certainly follow the stuff a little more closely. But a lot of people are interested in this kind of stuff about if someone's closing a tap room or somebody's sold to another brewery or sales trends or why am I seeing 20 hard seltzers on a shelf? Kind of condense all that news down for, for beer fans in a short amount of time so you kind of catch up uh, in a, in a timely manner. So. This was the idea. And then this week happened. So uh, now it's a little more taking the temperature of, uh, I think, you know, (laughs) what's the future of New York City, you know, beer culture, really.
2: Yeah. And Kat, um, so earlier this year, you did a prediction of 2020 trends. Um, Would you like to just recap that for us and perhaps suggest where we're going now?
4: I did. Um, Did I? (laughs) (laughs) Well, vine pear. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that was probably me. Uh, Beer specifically or like New York or
2: New York and beer and and beverages.
4: Yeah, I think um, one thing that I've been writing a lot about and we talk about a lot in the office and I actually would challenge us to not talk about during this podcast is hard seltzer. Um, (laughs) That is just huge people thought it was a fad people thought it was stupid um regardless of your or my personal feelings about this as a beverage um it's happening it's not going anywhere it's going to be here in 2020 and probably for years to come um other things like on the opposite end of that spectrum which i'm a fan of is more non-alcoholic and low alcohol options um which sounds kind of counterintuitive to a beer writer and lover but um, you know when you're around this stuff all the time and especially for industry members you kind of need a break every now and then so that's something that I've been a proponent of and like now we're seeing not just you know Heineken 0.0 exploding but smaller craft breweries like Athletic Brewing Co I mean they just had that 17 point something million dollar investment and they're now um, expanding from Connecticut to the West Coast, like it's happening people
3: Agreed. Yeah, there's, there's a lot going That's on with that. we
2: did a, a dry January show, and Zach' just going to try to move everyone around. Zach, um, are you prepared for this this type of shutdown right now? You know, are you doing retail, you're doing online beer sales
5: we're We're in the lucky position to be to, to answer your question one word answer, I don't think anyone's prepared for something like this. Um, it's this is unprecedented and pretty much everyone I hear talking about this is a, it's almost it's as, as bad as Sandy was in some ways, but more people are talking about it like 9 eleven because literally everyone's affected and so many levels of shutdown from you know from the distributors and the and the, and the breweries themselves who are about to see their entire revenue stream dry up uh, to us who are gonna see our customers turned away. Um, we're lucky in that we're one of those places that has uh, always been a retail and bar combination like one of the hybrid shops so it isn't hard for us to pivot over into selling stuff for people to go we've sell we sell our beer online on drizzly we, we deliver it nationally through a website called bev and we also have food which is actually hu- proven huge in the last uh, 48 hours I've watched how many people have come through just to get sandwiches or fresh bread or things like that so uh, just because you know the the, uh, the the community is very much aware that a lot of places are supposed to be closed we're still seeing a decent amount of retail business we're still going to take a huge hit uh in, in our bar business not being available but uh we're just happy that we can still get our employees paid with some of this income through retail beer, beer sales
2: great and, and sean i know you you came to the show with a number of questions why don't you take yeah. over for a few minutes
3: yeah i mean there's so many areas to kind of start with but uh i guess getting your te- both your temperatures on this in terms of zach you mentioned you know a couple of digital outlets is this going to be kind of a traditionally it's been you know go to the brewery pick up your four pack pick up your case is this going to be kind of a pivot do you think toward the growth of digital sales in craft beer you know for, for small craft beer now or is this going to be we'll get through a few months and then habits may return to what they used to be
5: um, you know, I th- it depends on where you are. I think for New York City, and we're talking about New York here, it's never really been the the situation for people to call ahead to a brewery, have them bring it out to your car. That I mean, that's what's happening now because of the no contact or the contactless delivery thing that's, that's going on. But I think going forward, the digital stuff is going to be more popular for people who are looking for beer they can't get in their own market. I know that for us, we use Drizzly and we have for months, but the the online delivery for beer, as it stands right now, isn't really that huge for craft. I know there are a lot of bodegas around here that do banger business on um, on selling macro stuff. And I think that's not something that's gonna change, but I have yet to see a huge uptick in people who can get beer that they want brought to them uh, through, through something like Drizzly. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the New York City breweries are more focused on doing more of their own self releases and keeping that revenue generated within-house, and, and I think that makes sense. So a lot of the, the high-profile stuff uh, that people would want, they have to go to the for anyway, and a lot of the more you know run-of-the-mill stuff that you can get online or through delivery is something that people will get from their their local purveyor thanks to the way Drizzly works with their algorithm. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, Kat, how about you?
4: So, yeah, I think Zach's point about um, delivery ramping up a little bit is, sort of two-parted like for some retailers um including i guess abc beer co zach and then um, i know i've heard from other places like craft beer seller they have seen this really like this really great uptick in business right now because everyone's running out and trying to stock up on their beers and uh, whatever other items are available in the shop um so you know we've seen some like Some reports are saying like a 500% surge in in retail. Um, But then, you know, how long will this last if everything gets shut down? What happens then? Um, How quickly are things being restocked? And that's actually a question that I have for both of you is like, what's, what's happening with your distributors and are they still able to promise and deliver everything that they're supposed to, which I imagine they can't.
2: I would take that, Zach.
5: Yeah, um, personally, I've noticed that only a few people, like a handful, anecdotally, and only a few people have said that they're not delivering into the city right now. I think people are excited to get whatever business they can out. So some of the local breweries are saying they're they're holding it off for the week, but the big distributors like Union and those guys are still running their trucks. In fact, they're still trying to push kegs on me that they know I can't do anything with. So I, <laughs> oh so I'm. God. It's been really interesting. I know they're they're not really grappling. It they're like oh a lot of the the people I've spoken to, it's like, this is gonna be done in like, you know, four or five days. I'm like four or five days. Um, so I think, uh, when a, a couple of people making decisions come to, to grips with what is actually happening here, there may be, a few, like you guys have noticed every news cycle, I feel like every 24 hours there's like a, a sea change in like the way people are looking at this. So mm-hmm. yesterday on Sunday morning, things looked very, very different. And then by Monday morning, when the, the ruling came down that we were gonna have to close the bars, uh, there was a whole different set of chatter. It's like I got three times the amount of email because people had to double back on what they were offering and what they were able to do this week. So honestly, I think this is going to put a test – unlike when Sandy happened, which was all done out of like a, you know, an actual destruction of property and, and trucks not being able to make it in because they had been flooded. This is something that's all coming through lawmakers, and it's still kind of nebulous. So I think people are trying to figure out ways that they can continue the status quo without endangering anyone and, and doing – their part to, you know, uphold what the whole quarantine's about and keep people safe, while still not trying to completely ax their revenue stream.
4: Right.
2: Well, I want to say I appreciate that you guys are on and we're trying out this new system uh, remotely today. Um, so much has been happening. I, I, my, I don't know where you guys are looking for your updates. I know there's a. A text from the New York City Office of Emergency Management that you can get. I think you text in six nine two six nine two, and then you enter COVID. You can get the updates. But I've been following the New York City Hospitality Alliance and the New York Restaurant Association. Are there any sources that you guys are following, like Sean?
3: Yeah, I mean, local TV has been big for me. Honestly, I mean, you know, I mean, so far, we'll see how much this goes on for. But you know, Cuomo's been on TV every morning around ten thirty. You know, giving an update um which has been great so local tv for me has been really pretty accurate um for the most part and then the nightlife stuff obviously it's been fast and furious the past two days but i imagine that's pretty much where it is right now for quite a while um the latest thing today was you know they don't think they think the cases are going to even come close to peaking until you know the end of april so that's kind of the timeline you know de blasio was putting out there for this to continue is going to be you know seemingly months at this point and not six weeks or four weeks or whatever it was initially it's a, it's a big change. So, Sean, let's just go backwards. So yep. uh, a
2: couple of years ago, you asked, to, you came on and sat in the studio mm-hmm. with us on Beer Sessions Radio. Yes, tell sir. us your journey since we can we can talk about other things. Let's tell <laughs> us the journey of you, uh, your interest in a podcast, why you started selling craft beer and, and what else you do. Are, are you involved in the beer industry? Are you a financial analyst?
3: Uh, my background's in more content creation, so I've been a TV uh, producer for many years at HBO. Um, so I've always been uh, you know, big into producing and doing interview content and video content. And uh, back when we first uh, spoke, Jimmy, I was a fan of your podcast, and podcasting was really starting to take off a little more in the in the mainstream. Uh, so I wanted to kind of you know, see how the real professional does it, Jimmy, and get a firsthand look, obviously. And then uh, in, the, in terms of beer media, I was like, well, You know, whenever you hang my beer friends and like people are always interested in this kind of information, but I'm someone who just, you know, I've been a craft beer fan, you know, for six, seven years and just reading about the business a lot. And I'm like, well, people are interested in who AB InBev bought or, you know, what's going on in the sales thing or something closed or what trends are going on. But people don't want to necessarily read all the beer publications out there. So I thought it was an opportunity where a lot of beer podcasts were doing great with the interview content, but the news content wasn't really there. So I just had this idea of like, well, what if I create this brief for people who want to be in the know, but don't want to spend hours and hours of their time, you know, they're beer fans are not people who work in the industry. So that was the idea to kind of bridge that together and create this again, weekly, biweekly podcast that sums it up real tight for people. So. so it's and it's kind the- of
2: like a headlines.
3: Yeah, or oh, kind of like a sports center, beer for business. Beers, if I could. yeah, exactly. You can try to make it fun, make it, make it lively and, you know, make it quick. Um, and then in the Sixth beer stuff. industry, in Your work, I, you know, i volunteer all the New York City Brewers Guild festivals and just have been, you know, involved in help out the scene wherever, uh, wherever the people need help.
2: And Sean, what, what are a couple of the headlines, uh, separate from coronavirus, a couple of headlines <laughs> in the beer industry that, you, that you've featured the last two weeks?
3: Exactly. Uh, you, the thing that Kat alluded to, the athletic brewing raising $17.5 million, uh, I mean, that's for non-alcoholic beer, is a pretty big headline, and I'm, I'm, I'm with Kat on that. I think uh, non-alcoholic beers, it's 0.5% of the market at this point, but I think there's, only, there's amazing upside for that part of the sector, and there's, no, there's really no one playing in it in scale outside of big beer, which is kind of you know where craft beer was you know 15 years ago or 20 years ago. Where there's just such a white space for someone who makes a great product, they can really sell it to a lot of people. So I think that's one thing that they they you know the news wise that's a lot of money to raise for anybody doing non alcoholic beer. Um, yeah. And then oh sorry, and then uh, Untapped being acquired by Beer Advocate certainly or sorry, Beer Advocate being acquired by Untapped is certainly for the beer fans out there uh, a big part of the culture. Those two brands will you know combine combine resources now.
2: That's a great shot. So Kat, did you write about that that the uh untapped acquiring beer advocate I did, yes you want to tell us a little more about that
4: sure um so it was the parent company of untapped which is called uh i think next beverage
3: next glass next
4: glass yes um so next glass technically acquired uh beer advocate which then kind of puts beer advocate and untapped as siblings um and i guess the sort of Give and take of that was beer advocate has the benefit of obviously staying in business first of all, and um, kind of getting plugged into that that digital and social landscape that Untapped has been really really good at uh, navigating and creating, um, and even changing beer nerd culture completely. And then uh, the benefit for them is is I think beer advocates longevity and the fact that they've had a lot of successful events and untapped famously kind of failed at throwing a beer festival last year so you know i think them working together will be um, that a makes a lot circle. of
2: sense yeah there's there's definitely a community that beer advocate has and um one thing for you cat so again your, your backstory uh, i've had you on several years ago when you were uh just starting out with ale street news yeah. Um, I know you you had freelanced a little bit. Tell us your path as a as a beer writer.
4: Sure. So the first, I guess, Ale Street News um, was my first column. I was the New York City beer columnist for several years. And I had also been writing for local blogs, such as Brooklyn, for a long time. Um, I did the Brooklyn Beer Books, the Queen's Beer Book, um, which was these physical beer guides to just the boroughs and um, eventually i became the curator and editor kind of picking out some of the best locations for beer in the city and then each page of the book would get you a free beer at that location Um, so that was a big project for a long time then i was writing freelance for three years full-time i wrote for craft beer and brewing magazine Um, i did a lot for men's journal and had uh, some more trade focused clients like Equipped Brewer, a um, bunch of publications. And uh, I also worked at Rowry Lane, beloved beer shop in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Um, and when KCBC was starting out, it's too bad they're not uh, on the podcast today, but I was helping out in the tap room there for about six months. So, yeah, I feel like I got my well rounded. Uh, scope of the industry before finally taking this full-time job with Fine Pair, and uh, I started as the staff writer there, then became senior staff writer and now associate editor, so yeah, I've been here at Fine Pair for about two, more than two years now.
2: No, it's amazing, and you're, you're kind of a, one of the few authorities on beer who, who's actually writing in the city regularly, so... Congratulations! Oh, yeah. Hey guys, what are, what are you guys drinking today? So we're supposed to be drinking on the air. I'll tell you what I have. I have a Sam Smith Porter. Um, I always like that. That's something that I got at my local corner um, deli. They always have that. Um, what are you guys drinking? And just so we can keep track of that too, keep our keep our drinking traditions going, kids.
4: <laughs> I am drinking threes. Logical conclusion um, for several reasons one of which is I just love this beer, too. It was one of the few things that was left in my grocery store that I actually wanted to buy. Um, (laughs) And I thought it was kind of appropriate for the podcast, like with all this confusion and crazy stuff happening with uh, the mayor and FOMO and all these decisions that are being made and flipped every moment and hour. Well, I'll I'll tell you guys, um,
2: at my local supermarket, I was – not surprised that the cold beer section was pretty much wiped out. Um yeah. along with odd things like of in the pasta section, spaghetti was gone but not odd shapes like penne and rigatone. Oh my God, I that too. <laughs> in the slice the sliced packaged cheese section, all the string cheese was gone, but sliced cheese wasn't gone. So, um Weird. I don't know if there's anything else that you guys have noticed that people have been hoarding cuz this whole thing about stocking your pantry Um, and I have seen tons of cases of hard seltzer in, in all the delis that are moving stuff, but, um, yeah, yeah, it's been Uh, a little funny.
4: And my local, my cheese situation was different. Everything was gone except for three packages of the Daya (laughs) vegan cheese.
2: (laughs) That's encouraging.
4: Um, I know. I was like, I actually like their cheese, but whatever. Um, and then I'm actually we're we're selling a lot of cheese. I'm sorry. Really?
5: Go <laughs> Zach. Yeah, well. we, we have a cheese counter in our place, and we're selling so much of it. And I don't know <laughs> if that's because there's, like, no other options near us, especially now, but the Brie and the, like, the Cashel Blue and stuff, we sold so much of it. Wow. Um, which I know, I was kind of surprised by. but I guess maybe,
4: yourselves.
2: Yeah, I
5: guess it's in this time in,
2: the, in quarantine, you can eat
5: whatever you want.
2: Well, <laughs> You know it, it it's it's a question about what local is Zach and I think you're probably the pulse of it because it seems that many of the places that are open are just you know broader based delis grocery stores that don't really have a specialty for uh beer or foods um what what else is moving at 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 ABC beer and what are you drinking too right now um, so, well, I guess
5: I'll, first off I'll say I'm drinking Party Shirt Fridays by Common Roots. Um, partly because I love these guys, but also because last weekend I was up in the Adirondacks for a, uh, cousin's, uh, baby shower. So I was, uh, in the, I was able to go to the brewery. They had a fire recently and I like to support these guys cause they can use the help even though they make great beer. They're doing just fine now, but, um, or they're, sorry, they got a long way to go, but they're doing better now. But I like to support these guys and this beer is delicious. Um, in terms of what's selling these days and keeping the grocery thing we saw a lot of fresh bread and that's been like one of the best things we've sold since the very beginning and i don't think there's a lot of outlets in the city for really good fresh bread um and we have a we're, we're um we get it delivered to us every morning by Pan d'avignon and just like i think the quality of the bread is re- really really good and that speaks to something that everyone around here <clears throat> everyone around here kind of appreciates there's not a ton of options in these village to for bakeries for people to pick up bread every morning so i think people love that but
2: yeah and i would jump in and say if if you are when you're listening as of now all the green markets in new york city are open and i go to the one in union square and it's there monday wednesday friday and saturday and there's a couple of great bakers there including she-wolf and sean what are you drinking brother
3: well, it is St. Patrick's Day, and I'm an Irish citizen, so I'm having a Guinness at the moment. But uh, right next to it, I have a, a crowd from Fifth Hammer. I got a Schwartz beer called Year of the Schwartz from them. I just, I just picked up about a half an hour before we started talking. So
2: That's, <laughs> that's amazing, Year of the Schwartz. Yeah. It does it does talk about trends, like craft beer trends. It does seem that a, a lot of breweries are making a Black Pills or a Schwartz beer.
5: This is definitely – I was talking about this with Chris Kuzme the other day. This has definitely been the year of the black lager. It's unbelievable to me, something that I've appreciated since I first got into craft beer and never saw it outside of your Kostritzer on the shelf most places. Now seeing it done in such great regularity that I can actually pick it up and actually put it on draft and they're actually really good and people wanna buy them because I can get them excited about it for the first time ever. I always feel like Americans have this very weird kind of uh, kind of a strange relationship with dark beer in this country because uh, they don't understand it. Maybe their only experience with it was Guinness or it was in some, and maybe in a bad context, I like to assume just because malt-driven darker beers haven't really been a huge part of the upswing in beer consumption in this country. And uh, now that we actually have light-bodied Pilsner, or sorry, light-bodied short beers and dark lagers that people can get behind, it's kind of turning that on its head.
2: Yeah, I mean, the classic in Germany was always, it was it was a Helles and a Dark, so a dark, dark lagers have a big part of our tradition of beer. Um, Kat, you know, the, back to the story about Untapped acquiring Beer Advocate. Um, yeah. So, in a time like this when people are ordering online or, or, or doing takeout, do you think that people rely on Untapped to find beer or do you think that they're more um, they're just going to be loyal to a, a local place that they know? Hmm.
4: I think the Untapped user is different. It's like its own segment of craft beer consumer Um, I think a lot of people are moving toward local and you know supporting the businesses they know but I don't know that like how much is overlap with untapped where it's a lot more about what's novel um, and trying everything that's new and logging as many beers as possible so you can get as many badges as possible and I don't know I'm I'm not a big untapped user so it's it's just like a different scene to me. Does anyone do, else
2: feel
1: like that?
2: Do you think that since um, people aren't in their offices, do you think it's something that people use when they're at work a lot, untapped, and that they might not be using w- when they're not at, at work? I any- feel like
5: untapped is, untapped I use when I'm in the moment, if I'm going to use it. I'm also not a huge untapped user. I've, uh, I've found myself a little, uh, I, I fall back in and out of using the app more regularly, but I mostly do it, as a note-taking tool uh, just so I can remember what I've had as opposed more to I feel like a big part of the community, and a lot of people bring this up, is that there is a bit of exclusivity and people who kind of are overbearing on it, which, you know, again, every form of social media has the crowd of user that is like a little overbearing on the app. And I don't think mm. that makes it something that I don't like to use. Oh. Um, I think it's just for me, the, the taking myself out of the headspace to go and check into every single beer I sip, which, you know, there's a lot. Any given day there's like, there's just too many for me to do that i feel like it would just kind of set my brain off that being said i'm an avid swarm user and i check into the bodega and i go to it every day so <laughs> i honestly don't know if this is something that i could really throw you know throw shade at but it's it's one of those things that most people bring up about the app when they talk about whether or not they're a heavy user for per, per.
2: changing so have has there been um data about buying beer online and you know? the possibility to order beer nationally um sean is there a trend that you're following
3: yeah i mean i mean the state every state rules are so different the national thing is always that there is no national beer sales i mean uh i think it's tavor t-a-v-o-u-r that seems to be pretty popular with people um drizzly is very you know drizzly doesn't sell you the beer they just you know facilitate the order so they can be a little more national but uh amazon is everybody's waiting to see if they can crack the code they hired uh a lobbyist last year to you know to start looking into alcohol laws i haven't heard much that was probably over a year and a half ago there's been nothing that came out of that so far um so if anybody's going to do that everybody thinks amazon's gonna be the one to figure it out but then from a national basis it's it doesn't seem like there's too much you know every state has you know until that until the states come together on something there's a national law it's really hard to have any kind of blanket coverage We've uh, we've actually started using something similar to those sites too. Something called Bev B E V V.
2: Okay.
5: And uh, it was founded by two lawyers who were, <laughs> you know, one guy sent himself through law school specifically to study liquor law because wow. of the archaic, you know, the competing, you know, fifty states in a district that you have to work with to to understand shipping from one state to another, which ones, what exclusions are. It's all mind-numbingly,
2: mm-hmm.
5: you know, archaic and dense, and it's a, it's a lot to understand. But they they built the whole site based on where you can ship what. And uh, we've had a really good experience working with them uh, through through our stuff. The, all the other on, online retail stuff I've used before was kind of all pie in the sky. Like they, they didn't really do the front end work. They just assumed that everyone would want to jump on and buy beer. Right. But because of the site, we've actually had a lot of larger partners come to us through them as like a conduit to kind of facilitate their nationalization of online sales. So I see good things coming down the line for maybe if breweries push more into wanting to ship yeah. That, that these things will take off i think it's more going to come from the brewery side and the supply side
2: that makes a lot of sense hey guys we're just gonna take a short break uh let's say Schlancha. <laughs> can you say that everybody
3: Schla- 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 Schla-
2: and erin gobrock those are things i haven't heard in a while and it's a, l- a little sad that today is saint patrick's day and there's no parade and uh i can't get a beer at mcsorley's but we'll be back in a few minutes on beer sessions radio all right
1: This episode is brought to you by the Michigan Cherry Committee, representing 75% of U.S. grown Montmorency tart cherry production. With over 100 articles published in health journals stating the vast health benefits of Michigan's superfruit, it's best to choose the cherry with more. U.S. Montmorency tart cherries. They're available year-round, dried, frozen, canned, juice, and concentrate. Learn more about the wonderfully U.S. grown Montmorency Tart Cherry at ChooseCherries.com
2: Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. This is St. Patrick's, March 17th, and it's that year of the coronavirus. So we're talking about trends in beer and selling craft beer, but um, our guests are on. I want to just go back and change the conversation. Um, We're all living in in this semi-quarantine right now. We're doing a special remote recording via our laptops, so the, the sound quality might be a little funny. But I'd like to ask everyone just to, to give me a little uh, local color from where they are. Like, for example, I live in the East Village on the same street as St. Patrick's. Uh, I want to call it McSorley's the St. Patrick's to me. Um, and literally today, they're only open for takeout little things like uh, cheeseburgers and Liverwurst sandwiches. Um, and and talking to Zach, what are you seeing in your neighborhood? You're kind of like a beacon over there on Avenue C. So just tell us a little a little bit about what's happening in your neighborhood, other places where you're able to get food or or good beer. Um, let's start with you, Zach.
5: I mean, uh, it's it's pretty crazy to see. I, I noticed how busy things were over the weekend. Honestly, a little, probably a little too busy around here, um, given what people were trying to tell people to do online. But the, the, after the shutdown rules came through, it's pretty much been uh, gutted out. There's, there's obviously none of the, the bars were open last night. After eight o'clock, everything had shut down. So I had been taking care of things all day with my staff, who was working retail, just kind of getting everything set up and, and being there to help them guide them through the first weird day of business, uh, doing just retail, because we definitely got some people who were under, like, not very understanding or a little irate, um, that they couldn't come in and sit down and eat or come, come and sit down and have a beer. So, uh, but and that day, I realized that we still have things like Bob White, the fried chicken joint next to us, which is fantastic. They're still doing their to-go and their takeout, and they're they're seemingly very busy. We're still doing our beer sales. Alphabet City Wine Co., our sister wine shop and liquor store, is still selling. They're doing very good business. Um, just like Kat was saying, whenever there's like a, you know, any kind of impending closure of anything, people, New Yorkers tend to make a run on the on the important stuff, which is Booze and cigarettes in many people's eyes. So
2: there has been quite <laughs> a run in supplies.
5: And, yeah. <laughs> and Sean,
2: what about you? So you, you said you're you're just over at Fifth Hammer. Do you live in Long Island City?
3: Yeah, right in the heart of Long Island City. So beer-wise, you know, we've got Rockaway, uh, Fifth, Fifth Hammer, Alewife, who I believe that's also a brew pub. So they're closed at the moment. I don't know the, what their plan is yet, uh, if they're going to you know reopen for as because the, they have a mixed They have some beers that are are alewife beers and some beers that are not so i'm not quite sure what they're going to be doing yet uh and then further up there is iconic which i was just at on friday night and that was uh yeah like like zach said i mean this neighborhood this weekend friday and saturday i wouldn't you know i couldn't tell you the difference between that and another weekend it was pretty much business as usual it seemed like so uh it's pretty quiet today but you know it's a tuesday here it's pretty much more of a weekend kind of kind of neighborhood so Beer-wise, uh, we'll see, you know.
2: But we, we can go, so we can go to those breweries and get, what? Everybody packaged
3: beer to go. Beer to go, yeah. So Fifth Hammer That's is doing it. Crowlers and cans, and Rockaway, I believe, is doing the same. Iconic, I don't know, because I don't think they have Crowler. I don't think they can their beer, but don't quote me on that. And then there's, of course, LIC Beer Project, who uh, their cans are, you know, on shelves everywhere already. So um, Yeah. So we'll- and, and Kat,
2: tell us, what neighborhood do you live in? What's going on there?
4: So I'm in the financial district, um, pretty close to the seaport, kind of between the seaport and Fulton. And it's pretty quiet down here uh, with everyone working from home. The grocery stores are packed, the bars are dead, but uh, a lot of restaurants are still open. I've been ordering delivery daily (laughs) since self-quarantining. So Westville is open doing deliveries, Um, a lot of chains. Um, let's see, I've ordered from GoGo Go Curry, uh, Zuckers. I'm like getting it in while I can pretty much and trying to support and tip 50% on everything I'm buying. And that's kind of it. Yeah, there's um, there's still some beer left in the grocery store, which I'll probably be going back for at some point this week. And we're just kind of kicking it.
2: Are there any stories that you're you're working on right now
4: yeah, so actually, um, we have on VinePair Pair a live blog that's been ongoing since last week. So it's just like tons of updates, um, coverage of how coronavirus is impacting the drinks industry. And that includes the beer industry, wine, spirits, hospitality, um, and even related um, businesses like PR and other kind of retail stores. So if anyone is looking for major city or um national coverage in general that's being updated by us like the Vi- vine Vinepair
2: blog. And then Zach questions just jumping to you, Zach. As a small business owner, what type of relief would benefit you? Would you like to, to not have to pay your sales tax? Anything along those lines. Uh because I mean- it's a, there's a million things that, that,
5: that's the scariest thing is we don't know exactly how long this is going to go. So the immediate answer to that question is, and then, then I've talked to this, talked to a bunch of other small bar owners and business owners about this. Uh, an extension on sales tax, quarterly sales tax being due, would probably be the number one thing right now because I know for most people that's probably you know we deal with that four times a year. It's one of the hardest things to come up with, even when things are good for some bars. Um, but I think in the long term, it's going to have to come down in some sort of some sort of uh stimulus package for people to be able to do things like pay their employees to, to or to come up with any kind of back rent because so i mean anyone who owns a small business in the city especially knows that most places don't run with much of a runway there's maybe a week in the bank if you're lucky for a lot of people some people if you're if you're running for a month uh on slim pickens, that's you know you're in a good position but when something like this dramatic hits there's there's a lot of uh, there's just pretty much un- nothing but uncertainty and a lot of places won't be able to weather this so I think as time weathers on we're going to have more and more ideas of what we need but I think extension on sales taxes this, t- this payroll tax cut I vaguely understand what where Trump is going with this but I don't think this is going to be something that trickles down to the small places fast enough and I think something where we can stimul- use the stimulus for our employees who need their wages so they don't, have- they don't feel the same grind day to day would be huge for the city. I know it seems like a lot to ask, but this is unprecedented. And, and if something doesn't happen, we're going to see a ton of places close.
2: Yeah, no, this this is really unprecedented. Especially, it's, it's also timing that March and St. Patrick's Day is traditionally when the bar business really starts picking up for, for spring. Um, so this is kind of... It's very unfortunate. I remember in 2015 we had the East Village gas explosion, and that was a localized, but but it was considered a, a national disaster, and people rallied in, in many ways. But I don't know how you can rally when every business is struggling. You know, how can you go and, and support gift certificates from every business that you know? And I don't I don't know if there's any options. If anyone can can think beyond the, the next 30 days or 60 days.
5: I think that's the scary part is that this is truly coast to coast. This isn't Sandy. This isn't 9/11, and in certain that's the two biggest things I can think of off of my personal experiences. But when when you know everything from Maine to Honolulu is going to be shut down, it sounds like for an extended period of time, you know it does become harder to to split your support, and a lot of people are going to be struggling personally. So you can't go out mm. for six months and spend the money that you want to support these places. As it is, there has to be some kind of top down stimulus to protect businesses especially small businesses in this country, because it sounds like a lot of what I've heard from the top recently has been more focused on protecting the bigger industries and the bigger players and not so much the small businesses, which employ something like 49.7% of the workforce in this country. So it's going to be very important to, to see strong, strong decisive action come down, hopefully from maybe in this case, the governor's point, uh, the, the governor's desk to, to make sure that a lot of businesses don't don't end up having to shutter.
2: Yeah, I'll tell you just on the – I can see – sorry, excuse me for one second – how the, the bigger players can easily fit into roles with the government. So for example, I just heard that some hotels are talking to government officials about – they they could possibly be extra hospital rooms because they have the lodging. But again, that's, that's big plugging into big. And also like if you're a large event company, hospitals need things like tenting and, 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 and outdoor services, you know. But yeah, at at small level, you're right. N- nothing really gets to us, um, Sean. Any big picture stuff that that's popping up on the radar?
3: Uh, yeah, in terms of the bigger beer industry, I mean, uh, Budstock is trading at what it was trading at in 2009. Uh, Boston Beer is doing very well, so it, you know, Miller Coors is trading also kind of at levels it was about you know 10 years ago. Uh, Constellation, which is the Corona Modelo company, they're trading at what they were at in 2015. So. You know, globally speaking, these are global companies and, you know, beer drinking around the globe. I mean, look, you know, Europe's basically shut down. China is going to start to rebound a little bit. But these companies are in it for a a really, really tough year. I don't know what that means exactly, how it's going to trickle down. But uh, those guys are going to be facing a a tough, tough headwinds uh, for the the next year, no matter what happens here in New York.
2: Yeah, I just want to thank you guys for coming on. Kat, is there anything else you, you want to say? We didn't get to talk to you too much.
4: Sure. Um, just going back to Fine um, Pairs live coverage that is up on our website on the homepage. It's com slash industry And um, – We also are doing different lead stories each day um, covering how this is affecting the industry. So right now we have a story up um, about how this is affecting New York City deliveries and restaurants and bars and retail outlets. Um, We have another one coming up that I'll be writing about how coronavirus is affecting the beer industry overall. And uh, yeah, just keep an eye out. We'll We'll be out there.
2: I'll tell you one thing uh, for jobs, um, it, it's we don't really have a good example of how to create jobs. I mean, you almost have to go back to the Depression, and and it's almost like the government just has to create jobs, like things that people can work on, because it's very hard to prop up a business if there's no customers. You know, if there's no sales, you're not going to run a restaurant. I mean, I've already seen in my neighborhood, B and H, it's it's a dairy kosher restaurant. Um, they've overcome a lot. They literally closed today because they just can't run on a take-up model, um, and they're giving away soup this afternoon. So um, I don't know what the options are. Um, hopefully, we'll we'll get something. You know, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of scared, and I haven't really had to deal with something like this in about five years. So um, I don't know about you, Zach, but you, it seems like you've got your store model in place, and and that and that's that's good for you um what about for other businesses i mean you know if, if half the city clears out is there is there going to be business for anybody
5: that's i mean that's the question everyone's waiting to find the answer to if this ends up being what it sounds like is going to be a closer to a six to eight week situation than a than a you know a two to four or four to six that they're originally saying this is going to be un, uh, insurmountable for pretty much anyone i can think of even if you have the means to make a little bit of money here and there mm everyone else's resources are going to run up dry. They're not going to be able to order the amount of takeout that's needed to sustain business in a city like New York uh, or anywhere for that matter. So I think it's going to be, it's going to come down to what happens. I know there's talk of this, this, this cutting of a check for certain people for for people of a certain age in this country to, to stimulate the economy, but that only gets you so far. I honestly don't know what the answer is because there's quite literally never been anything like this that's happened uh, for such a long period of time that's going to hamper the natural movement of the economy. So even as someone who kind of dives deep into this stuff regularly to try to get a better understanding of, of how all this stuff works, it's usually one sector that gets plagued by something. But when it's something that's, you know, literally the entire thing is plagued, uh, the uh, there's really no answer. And, and it's going to be, unfortunately, it's not even local. It's not even nation. It's global. And that could have like long, long lasting ramifications that we all kind of have to, kind of grapple with i know we're getting really deep into this but it's just the last (laughs) 72 hours have just been so weird
3: yeah uh sean any any final words yeah it was a stat that came out from the the brewers association economists today that kind of blew my mind a little bit but uh 40 percent of all independent craft beers sold on premise and there's now 20 states and counting across the country who are essentially you know limiting or shutting down all bars and restaurants and if forty percent of craft beer sales essentially go away, it's like I'm, that. That was just a, a stat that, as Zach said, if it's four to six weeks, that's one thing. If this is going, it, you know, into May and into June, you know, I'm not sure what's on the other side of this in a, in a certain regard. So, I mean, uh, uh, Jimmy, you sound like you're kind of <laughs> that same mindset of like a little more freaked out than like, oh, this could be a month of discomfort. Versus, I'm not sure what well, you know. I, how did you know? Out. If, if,
2: unless you're, it's like unless you're big like this is the case where right. i'm going to bring up hard seltzer sadly i feel that no, that's... the system the systems that are in place we we're
0: so close you know, yeah
2: i mean g- g- grocery stores and, and and larger you know distributors and everything the system is in place to favor like some of the larger brands including things like hard seltzer yeah which are you know shelf stable and, 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 and in right. grocery stores um I'm not thrilled about that, but what I've seen also is talk about some some businesses are just going to need to have to shift completely. Uh, hand sanitizers might be a new thing. I read that a, a distillery in Portland is has a line of hand sanitizer because they have the high proof alcohol. Yeah. And I actually know a guy in Williamsburg that has a whole stash of high proof alcohol. And last week, we I was helping him try to talk about. You know, making and selling a hand sanitizer. So, we don't know where this is going. I really want to thank you guys for coming on. Uh, one more time, let's go around the room. Everyone, please again introduce yourselves one more time, and we'll sign off.
3: I'll start with me, uh, Sean McNulty. It's the Selling Craft Beer podcast. You can get it on uh, iTunes, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, wherever podcasts are. Uh, you listen to podcasts. Thanks, Sean.
2: Thank and Kat.
4: This is Kat Walensky, associate editor at Fine Pair.
2: Thank you for joining us, Kat. And Zach? Right. This
5: is Zach Mack, owner of Alphabet City Beer Co. And uh, beer contributor at Thrillist.
2: You guys have been so great. Thanks so much. Uh, thanks for also listeners. This is a special remote recording. Our studios closed. Uh, the next few weeks we'll, we will be doing shows like this uh, while things continue. Um, we're not really a news show, but we, we covered some news. But, you know, keep up to date with what's going on. And hopefully you guys will be raising a beer together soon. I'm drinking a Sam Smith Porter and um, support your local breweries. Thanks for joining me. Uh, big shout out to our producer, Dylan Hoyer, engineer Matt Patterson. Um, thanks for joining us on the Heritage Radio Network. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Beer Sessions Radio is powered by Cinectins. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network.